Hey guys, this is Jonathan Henderson with Pressure Washing Marketing Pros. And today I am with David Mormon. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. I'm excited for this. I'm excited as well. I've always wanted to get you on a channel, man. I see you're doing great things with Home Service Business Coach and also with your company, Revive uh, Services. So I really want to get you on, talk, you know, just pick your brain because a lot of the content you've been putting out on your YouTube, on your Facebook, I really resonate with. And I think the audience here will resonate with as well. Cool. Yeah, man. I'm honored to be here. Uh, hopefully the listeners can get some gold nuggets. Yeah, man. So if you guys don't already know who this guy is and you guys have been living under a rock, right? So David owns a home service company called Revive Services and they're in the British Columbia area of Canada. So you guys service Vancouver, Burnaby, Shuri, correct? Exactly. Yep. And then also I've heard very great things about your program. I've actually talked to one of your coaches, Jackson, before, right? Uh, so I know he's out there, Mount Baker window cleaning, but you know, you also run home service business coach as well, helping, you know, hundreds of, you know, service contractors and all of that. You work with some of my uh, clients that I have right now, man, as well. Cool. So nice, man. Great things. Yeah, they told me great. great. Things. Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, now, now that we introduced you, man, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, because I heard your story on YouTube, right? I heard a lot of the stories on YouTube, but I, you know, Maybe you have a different spin for it, whatever it may be. But I know right now when we were just talking before camera, I know you said Revive Services is around 800K right now, about 20% yeah. profit margin. Yep, that's right. Yep. And uh, how many employees do you guys have currently in trucks? Yeah, Jonathan. So we've really leaned out. We used to have as much as um, five trucks, to be honest, when we were busy. And we've actually leaned out. We run now um, two trucks full time. And then we also have a fifth technician um, as a floater that can bounce between uh, either of our crews or also help us out in the office. So we're like a eight person company uh, right now. And man, that is running efficiency because as we know, it doesn't matter about the revenue it matters about that bottom line, right? Yeah. I've been as much as like 10 or 11 technicians, man, in, in past seasons. And we've just stayed like super busy and like we've done hundred thousand dollar months, but what I've really done in the last year as I've jumped back in, I actually took over our marketing department this last year and really deep dove the numbers of our business. And we actually cut a lot of areas. And one of our areas was we were too bloated on the technician side. So we actually slimmed down from eight technicians right down to five. But the five we have now are like flipping all stars. So um, yeah, it's kind of made a little bit of a pivot in that business. No, most definitely. So as you guys see, he's killing, he's killing things. So what, what, so the, my first question to you is just kind of give me your background, how you got into this journey of, you know, doing exterior cleaning in the home service business. Yeah, man. Um, I'll sum it up. So I went to business school as a 19 year old kid. I was playing uh, soccer on a scholarship. I got my schooling paid for, which was sweet, but actually ran into troubles with uh, concussions and I got sidelined and wasn't allowed to play soccer anymore. And so I ended up um, running into a campus recruiter in my business school. Uh, a friend of mine actually gave me the CD-ROM at the time. It's like 2009. Sounds like so long ago. Uh, and she's like, hey, I know you were saying like, you know, you love business, but you were kind of frustrated, like wasn't able to run a business, whatever. The CD-ROM basically said, hey, you can make $20,000 in the summer. Um, and it was like a light bulb kind of turned off. I, I watched it and I knew as soon as I was done watching it, I'm like, I got to do this. So I dove in. I ran a student painting franchise for four seasons. Um, I grew that simultaneously while I finished my business degree. Mm -hmm. But Jonathan, by like year three, man, I was like so in love with the painting gig. I made 50K in my third summer. Um, and I was like this, like I'm going to make more money. And I love this more than getting 
a real job. So, uh, you know, I ended up sticking with that business. I ended up running another different painting business. Um, but then I got stuck, man. We hit about $550,000 in revenue. Um, mm -hmm. But I was paying this royalty fee to this franchisor that I felt I wasn't getting a great enough value for paying $50,000 a year to basically license out this painting business. Cause I had painted now for, you know, eight to 10 years. I knew how to bid a job, hire people, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I took that franchisor out for dinner and I said, Hey, with all due respect, like I want to, I want to go do my own thing. And he's like, well, you've signed a legal agreement. You can't just go paint on your own and start Dave's painting business. So I said, what about, what about, pressure washing he's like go do pressure washing i don't care but he's like the tickets are small it's not gonna whatever whatever i was like all right you know what i'm gonna give it a go anyways so 2016 started revive not a dime in revenue i had a, a background of running trades businesses with my painting company but it was like brand new service offering didn't touch a paintbrush i wanted to honor my you know non-compete agreement that i did sign and uh we're now turning eight years old man this next year depending when this goes live. So um, yeah, it's been been a beautiful journey, uh, kind of transitioning from painting over into the washing world. Yeah, most definitely. So I know a lot of people go that franchising route sometimes because it's kind of like a business in a box, right? You kind of get the systems, you kind of get the processes. But then after that, like you said, you you kind of top out, right? To where you're like, all right, then I can probably do this myself. Yeah, I had my numbers dialed as far as paint and labor, but it grew enough that, again, it was over 50K I was paying a year. And at the time, I was like, this doesn't make sense because I need to hire a production manager and I want to hire someone to run the office. And I was paying this huge fee. And so it just came to the point I was hitting my head on the ceiling. And I said, man, I, I would rather have my own brand, even if it was less revenue, because I can save that royalty fee. So it's just kind of like a crisis of meaning for me. And it wasn't anything bad the franchise did at all it was like i get their business model is you bring newbie entrepreneurs in and you grow them but if the royalty fee structure doesn't change past half a million i do think you lose people that want to progress to that next level most definitely and so one of the biggest things that intrigued me because i want to segue into this because i know that you went from the painting business obviously to the pressure washing business but there probably wasn't there's probably a few intricate processes and systems that had changed, but I'm pretty sure the painting really helped you and assisted you in building the systems and process for pressure washing. I saw a post on Facebook where you talked about, you know, obviously we know the exterior cleaning game is very seasonal, right? So a lot of guys want to add Christmas lights or a lot of guys are going to try to extract as much, as many jobs as they can possible during the wintertime. But on the post that I saw, you had said that you know, a lot of the time, you had, even these past three years, you said for your own business that you kind of shut the business down and you just worked on your systems and processes. And that's something that I resonate with a lot, not only for my own business, but I tell my clients to do that as well, right? So can you elaborate on that? Because you don't hear a lot of people say things like that, right? Like shut your business yeah. down, work on your systems and processes. You always just hear sales cures everything, you know? So can yeah. you elaborate more on that? 100%. So I think first thing, man, I think most home service entrepreneurs approach their business thinking too much in like the present day and making money today. And mm -hmm. they're not actually thinking long term, like what's happening in three months, six months, nine months, a year and beyond. And so, you know, I'm, I feel like I kind of exist in this industry to turn on people's almost CEO brain in their business and say, what's happening in the future. So traditionally, man, I've taken... January and February, almost exclusively, we don't do much revenue during those months. 
Uh, and I just deep dive and like rip the whole business apart. And so, you know, it started for me back in like 2018, where I was just coming up building this business. And it was a mentor of mine told me, he said, Dave, you actually build your container of the business in the winter, and then you go out and operate it. And I think that's completely true and sound advice when it comes to these hyper seasonal businesses like window cleaning or landscaping or pressure washing. Most owners just come into it and think, what's on my schedule today, maybe this week, but they're not actually thinking of the long-term game. So I think most people misdiagnose their business and think too much in the present here and now, and don't actually think forward thinking of like what's to come. So for me, I've always approached my business very analytically and have said, hey, you know, what do I wish I would have got done in three months from now? And I get really busy in the winter building that out and putting my mindset already as if it was springtime and we are hiring. Like, we'll go a little granular here, man. Like, yeah, what stuff course. is Dave building? Okay, uh, you got to recruit technicians. So where's your job ad for that? Do you have an online application form? Probably not. Do you have a careers page built out? Probably not. How's your branding? Do you have 2000 brand photos built out? Probably not. Are you on Canva and you've prepared all your social media posts for the year with your logo, your service and an image? Probably not. Um, this is what I'm talking about, man. Like there's <laughs> thousands of these things that I would spend a thousand hours before the season would even start. And I'd build out the whole business. And that's why, man, when we launched Christmas lights in 2019, I was gone for 40 days on my backpacking honeymoon because I built the whole business out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I left my manager and my crews and they did 31 holiday light installs while I was backpacking through Asia. So it's that level of planning and preparedness and organization. If you find yourself learning that skill, you will whoop your competitors because most trades businesses should not, like owners should not be running a business because everything I just rattled off, they've not done any of it. And they just think, Oh, dirty windows, 200 bucks. I can make quick cash. It's a way bigger game to be playing if you can actually plan this out. No, that is, you're definitely right. Because what ends up happening is guys, guys try to do all that stuff while it's in season, right? Like, oh, we need to get our social media post up. We need to yeah. get our marketing stuff up. We need to hire. And they'll do it like a month before. And I say, look, man, you probably need to do these things three or four months before, you know, yeah. it actually, it's kind of like uh, farming, right? Like when you plant the seed and then, you know, by the time you planted that seed and, you know, you're looking at the flower, the flower is already created, right? When the busy season's out there. So that's, that's, that's really good, man. And, and when you said that, I was like, yeah, this guy's definitely onto something then. Um, but yeah. Well, yeah, man. And it's encouraging, like for listeners of your show, like if people can listen and actually even apply 10% of what I'm saying and actually be like, okay, let's get that dialed in. And that's only one thing, man. I know you work in the lead generation and sales world. Like, man, if you're, you know, it's going to slow down in August. Like you just know summer slowdown every single year I've ran around the base path, August gets slow. So are you going to launch painting? Like we introduced painting this last year to our service offering. So we stayed busy Two, you know, you're going to get busy. So why not spend Jan, Feb and March and run strategic partnerships? I would take home service pros out for coffee every Friday, same Starbucks, same table, meet with them, get their business cards. I built out a referral network locally that Revive refers other landscapers, carpet cleaners, HVAC companies, and they refer us as well. Didn't cost me any money, but I did all that through the winter so that I build and dig my well before I actually get thirsty. So there's 
there's oodles of examples I could give you, but I just want to hone on that point. You got to get serious before the season actually starts. Oh, most definitely. So that was good that those strategic partnerships that you had built in the wintertime, because I'm pretty sure they didn't blossom during, you know, that January, February timeframe, but I'm pretty sure that it multiplied during, you know, summer, during the spring and fall. Yeah, man. And if you're running a local business, people think, oh, I need to blow up on TikTok or YouTube. Like, honestly, you don't. You need to become famous in the neighborhoods you work in and the community you work in. So if your name is Bill, Bill needs to be known as the guy who has the company that cleans the windows or cleans the gutters. And the biggest problem is twofold. Bill's probably undercharging for his work. And two, Bill thinks people know him, but no one actually knows of him. And so it's like, it's that first four year climb of like, get yourself famous, not on TikTok, get yourself famous in your local community. No, most definitely, most definitely. So thank you for expounding on that, man. Then the next question I want to ask you, because I know that you, you have, you have a players on your team right now. So the next question I want to ask is, uh, who do you think if you're a brand new pressure washing business, you've been in it for about a year or two now, um, you know, you're a technician that's kind of stuck in the truck and you're like, man, what should my first hire be? What do you recommend? Like a, like a first hire for somebody's like first yeah. hire, what do you recommend? Yeah. I, you really need two people, man, to start moving from like solopreneur to like more of a scaled up company. Like most companies we work with, like they want to get their business to about five or 600 K and be making like 150 grand of profit a year, working mm-hmm. 30 hours a week. That's like what a lot of our guys work with. So we work through a set process. You really need two key people on your team. The first one I'll explain is really a lead technician. Um, Traditionally, we look for someone that has worked outside, maybe in trades to some degree. If you run a pressure washing business, maybe they've painted or cut grass or worked for a moving company. We Mm -hmm. want them like good with people because this after all, is a customer service business that happens to pressure wash driveways or clean windows or whatever you do. Um, And so that first technician in my business uh, in our training program can be trained up in a period of about two to three weeks. We can bring someone in through our training boot camp, have them ride along with our manager and have them trained up to execute the job site. Cause that's the first mistake, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. most business owners, trade out their time to go pressure wash for $25 an hour when you could have someone do the job as good as you or almost as good as you and you could buy back your time. So that's the first hire. And the second key person, when you're running a route driven business, like this thing's ringing, right? The iPhone is ringing with leads, with jobs, with whatever. I would highly suggest once your revenue is pushing that 100K mark, I would suggest allocating 7% of your top line revenue. So $7,000 in this case to go hire a part-time office admin. In this example, 10 hours a week, man, maybe you're working with a bid slot or a Jill's office or answer connect, or just, I personally prefer getting someone local um, Mm -hmm. who you can forward your phones to, who can help you take inbound calls, make outbound calls, answer your emails, um, maybe provide some quotes over the phone. And I would look at growing that office admin role to 20, 30, 40 hours as you stack on a hundred K of revenue each time. So you should cruise in to a revenue range of four to 500 K and afford then to pay a rock star full time. So those would be 
the first two hires, man, I would really wrap my brain around. Um, if if someone's listening and really wants to transition from that 100K solopreneur to like, all right, I'm ready to go two, three, four, get this thing to 500, maybe seven figures. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those would be the first two key hires. I would really spend some intentionality around like building out those roles. No, most definitely. I agree 110% of what you said, right? I agree with that 110%. Because as you know, being lead generation, what's the number one thing that I think most guys don't do? They don't answer the phone, right? Whenever, because they're going to be out on a job. And I say, well, I got back to him 30 minutes later, 40 minutes later, and I didn't hear a reply. I'm like, dude, he's found other people, right? Like, like by that time you contacted him back, he found three or four other businesses that actually answered. So he has no reason to answer your call anymore, right? And so- yeah, I I actually like the idea of what you said when it comes to uh, hiring that, you know, hiring them part time and having a 7% because that allows you to kind of get your feet wet and get comfortable with the task that you're going to give them because a lot of guys will have it to where they say, I don't know what to give this person. And I say, dude, there's so yeah. many things that you're doing right now, right? Go on. It seems like, yeah. You you have to, man. I mean, I did my first 89,000 with a technician and I was the office manager, but man, I, I was like just working till late at night running everything it's it's I was also running my painting business at the time I was getting married like it's just not sustainable to do that so the second year we did 155k and I did exactly that I brought someone on part-time and paid them didn't end up working out but that trained Dave's brain to say okay someone can actually sit on the CRM and and add in new clients and create new requests and I gave him a simple pricing sheet and he could do some basic estimates because I was busy running around doing, you know, a hundred different things. And then that third year in business, we did 582,000. So we almost four X the business. And that's where I was like, all right, we can have a big boy salary now. And I had my manager, David run the office then for that year. uh, And he was on full-time and then, then we've grown from there and transitioned again in our office. So it's like, it's a very key role that I personally don't think the op, the business owner should be doing the fulfillment of service or should be running the office. Like that's 80% of the business, man. If you can get out of those two, you are now a salesperson and you are the director of marketing uh, and you're still like the production manager. Those three roles, I think are, are, um, less day-to-day operationally that, you know, if you get out of the office and get out of the truck, business becomes a lot more fun. And I think you can leverage your time at a much higher level. Most definitely. So as you guys can hear right now, that lead technician and that office manager, because I like the office manager, because of course, once you hire that lead tech, you hire other technicians and that lead tech is the one that trains them. So you don't even have to train them anymore. And the office manager we usually tend to think like as business owners, like you said, we have like eight different hats, right? That office manager can take away like four or five of those, four or five of those tasks right there alone. Yeah, man. And a good office manager, like my office manager booked um, $76,000 of work last month, man, like on the schedule, like just (laughs) dialed in. And I'm like, great on the phone, great with people, very organized. Uh, I haven't done an estimate in my company in the last two years. So it's like that level of like, great people on your team mm-hmm. allow the business to run year round run profitably um and if if we're talking about hiring here man like red hot tip i've done this for many years is i search on indeed what the going rate is for let's say an office manager and mm-hmm. i jack my pay up by 15% 15 and i pay all my people 
15% above industry average. People are like, Dave, you're overpaying for stuff. I'm like, no, employees are the best investment you can have in your business. And from my techs to my operations manager, to my office manager, like eight people, rock stars front to back. And that gives me bandwidth and creativity as an entrepreneur to plan that next level of the company. So you don't need eight rock stars on your team, but for context of this conversation, you need a rock star tech could produce you about $150,000 a year that you could pay 50 grand a year to go to all your cleaning or all do whatever. And you need a rock star office manager that I suggest you go bite size with part-time and you progress more into that role. Most definitely. Most definitely. I heard Alex Ramos. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he said that it is, it is better to actually pay an A player one and a half times the going rate than to just have, you know, the going rate and have two people because to replace an A player is more expensive. You know what I mean? Than just to have two average people. Right. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned Hermosi and Jackson too, man. He ran into Jackson ran into Hermosi last week in Las Vegas. So he, oh, uh, did he? he ran back and grabbed a selfie. Cause he's like, Dave, I know you'd want to see it. So it's like kind of, kind of a cool moment for him. Yeah. I'm about to ask him about that, man. That's yeah. <laughs> Alex Hermosi out there. So, yep. So my next question to you would be, um, what is the biggest mistake? So I, I guess it will be twofold question. So sure. I, guess I, I'll, I guess I'll ask the first one. Um, the first question I, I, I'll ask is like for new pressure washing business owners, right? What is, uh, what, what should they do to first get those initial jobs? Because I know a lot of them are like, I don't know how to get jobs, man. I don't know what I'm doing. What would you recommend for them if they're first coming in and they've been in for about, you know, less than six months, what would you tell them to do in order to start getting jobs? Yeah, uh, I would recommend, man, just what I did. I mean, someone, my buddy, actually, he's an admin of like the biggest Facebook group for painters and uh, my buddy Tanner. And he posted and was like, if you had $250 to start your business, like, what would you do? And I just like chimed off on that because it resonated with me. I didn't start this business with much money and I just got after it. So my answer was literally, man, business cards and a golf shirt, like get something with a company logo and just go start knocking on doors. Now that's controversial, man. And your viewers right now might be eye rolling. Dave, I tried that. It didn't work this and that. Um, I I've sold over a million dollars knocking on doors, um, not really knowing what I'm doing to sell painting and washing. So every business I've started up in trades, we've started with just door knocking. So mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of that, man. I understand it's controversial. I understand people say might not work in your area. You need to be cognizant of no soliciting. Some neighborhoods you need uh, to have an actual permit to door knock as well. Uh, I'm in Canada here, man. Are Canadians more friendly than Americans? I don't know, but it works here uh, to go door knock. Obviously, be sensitive of neighborhoods. Uh, and we had issues with door knocking through um, the COVID pandemic too. Everyone had their views on that. And, you know, we, we saw uh, some disruption with that, but that is, I think if you're brand new to business, you go find what's called your honey hives of neighborhoods and you go start door knocking in those. Cause let me tell you right now, my team's doing holiday lights uh, in November right now, we will get streets and cul-de-sacs where we'll be doing every second or every third house is not abnormal. And so you want to get neighbors to know about you. So second piece of advice, if you're listening, I get door knocking works. I'm too scared this or that. Um, it helps develop you as a person as well. Um, and it helped me massively, but let's just say you don't want to door knock. So 
the next tier down, I would move into flyers. The only issue with that, you can door knock Jonathan for one hour and drive one lead. No problem. Um, can you flyer for one hour and get one lead? You probably won't. You're probably going to flyer for two and a half hours to get one lead. And, and I just know this from school of hard knocks. My manager was like, Dave, why are you flying all the time? Go door knock. And the first year I did 52,000. I said, I'm not going to door knock. I don't want to pester people that no, no, no. Second year, he's like, do door knocking. I said, all right, I'm not going to fly. I didn't do a single flyer that year. I knocked doors. I doubled my sales to 105,000 um, mm -hmm. in one, one season. So I think if you can get out of your own way, it's the most effective, the most cost-effective way to get leads. If you're not going to touch it, go with flyering. Just know you're, it's going to cost more and it's going to take more sweat equity to do. And the last piece I do, whether you fly or door knock, ideally you do both, uh, is the lawn signs, man. Kill it. If you're brand new, list your service, man. Pressure washing, phone number, maybe your little magic pressure washing logo, maybe a website. That's it, though. Keep it simple. Like 80% of your lawn sign should be pressure washing, the phone number, and then the rest can be kind of creative. But you can go to like a company like dope marketing man and get like a lot of our guys get that man signs for four or five bucks. Um, there's Canada lawn signs.com here in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you don't have a couple hundred of those in your stock getting started, you could throw a thousand dollars at lawn signs and you could spin that into 10 K of pressure washing work, like no problem. So for me with marketing, if I'm putting my money in, I got to get 10 times my money and most marketing things guys do, they don't get 10 X. So if I took a thousand dollars into door knocking and I bought a $50 shirt and I bought, you know, uh, a bunch of flyers and I took a friend with me and paid him $30 for every lead, I could easily get 10 X from that thousand dollar door knocking investment. So just like, you gotta know where your metrics lie. But I also think when it comes to newbie starting, go attack your neighborhoods with some tenacity by way of door knock signs flyers. I think that's like the most rudimentary. I don't have a lot of money, but I have a lot of ambition. Um, that's going to be the best place to start. Uh, yeah. Like I said, the one thing that's synonymous between a lot of guys that are very successful is I've asked you, I've asked plenty of different guys that we've had on here. And the one thing that is synonymous all the time is they all say the same thing door knock. Right. And I tell guys like, look, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like even for me, like with digital marketing, right? When I first got, when I first started, there was no door knocking, right? But I called it digital door knocking. I would literally like break down dudes' websites and I would send it to their like email, their Facebook messenger. I would do all of that because what else am I going to do? Like I can run Facebook ads and do all of that, but you don't have any startup costs, right? And so yeah. every successful person, like you said, that I've known, you have... I know this might be controversial, but if you're not good at sales and you're a business owner, then at that point, I don't... Should you really be running a business then at that point, right? Because you can't really teach yeah. anybody else that. And like I said, there's going to be certain things as a business owner you're going to have to go through, right? You're going to have to go through those lumps. You're going to have to go through those trials and tribulations to be a successful business owner. And yeah, knowing how to drum up leads out of nowhere is one of those things you just have to have. Yeah, man. And I'm like my own biggest critic too, because when I started, like I said, for a year, I told my manager, I'm like, I'm not door knocking. Like I was this shy kid playing soccer. I'm like, my wife literally commented to me yesterday. She's like, it's funny that your one of your businesses is now coaching and talking and speaking. And yeah. she's like, you were scared to do that before. But it was like, 
I knocked on over 4,000 doors, man. And like my shyness was like beaten out of me with doors in the face, like this and that is like now <laughs> someone like yesterday, I got an email from one of our email lists, like F you Dave, why are you sending me blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, it doesn't, it just rolls off you now because I'm like, I really don't care. And so you <laughs> build that thick skin of resilience through door knocking. And if you can get out of your own way and actually think about this thing, what you're building. Like I was more married to my dreams of making a hundred grand a year and getting into real estate 12 years ago than I was like what the market actually thinks about me or I got rejected at the door. So when I did 105 K of sales, it was every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I would put on the same button up shirt and I would go and door knock just me. Cause I didn't have money to pay anyone. And I did 105 grand of, of revenue of which I made about 30,000 of profit on. And it was like that year, 2010, I'm like, all right, I'm convinced. And, and I, it's my best groundbreaking advice. And I know it's not an easy way to the top, but the last thing I'll tell you, Jonathan, this works because 19 out of your other 20 competitors won't go knock on doors. And that's why this is a beautiful way to get started, um, I think, in the home service business. Oh, man, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I know we got probably about 20 minutes, man. So I'm yeah. going to try to get these. I'm going to try to get these. Do it. You, man. So what do you think most exterior cleaning businesses need to work on the most if they want to grow? Oh, man. Um, I guess the number one thing, if there's, if there's one, if there's two or three things. You yeah, two. I'll yeah. give you two, man. One is the mindset. So I think too many guys and girls, but a lot of guys are in trades right now. We need more girls. And they think of their business as a technician and not as like an entrepreneur. So I think if you could go pick up any of these books behind me, it'd be the one standing up right there. The E-Myth Revisited. Mm -hmm. I picked that up in 2016 and I've read it 13 times ever since, man. And it basically says, if you want to be a technician and run a hundred K business, that's fine. But there's levels to this game. There's a manager and there's an entrepreneur level. And if you can move to level three entrepreneur, you then leverage your time and you build out a whole machine that can run independent of the owner. So I think mindset, I know it's like woo woo and entrepreneurship, but I really think when your brain flicks on and you think more like an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. it will change the game for everything. So that'd be my first piece of advice. And the second one, man, biggest mistake I see is just comes down to pricing, man. Like guys price their jobs again, thinking like a technician. If me and Jonathan can go turn up to this job and bust out a $300 job, we just made 300 bucks. Like, no, you didn't. Cause you got to pay for your CRM, your fuel, your chemical, your marketing, your da -da 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 -da. it whittles all down an owner operator. You're maybe, maybe, maybe making 50% profit, like maybe, but even again, it might not even be that high. And so my thinking is that you need to be very cautious about the foundation you build your business on because you can get to a very scary place of doing a hundred grand a year which is just a hundred grand of underbid jobs that people are loyal to you and your price and not loyal to your business. You look at my company today, we'll do about 750 jobs this year. Dave doesn't have to be on any one. You read the last 200 Google reviews. Dave's name is not even mentioned. Um, you need to extract yourself from the business 
and build a machine that can run without you. And you do that with two, three things, proper mindset, proper pricing, and then hiring a, a team of rock stars. And those are three very easy things I can just rattle off here on an interview, man, but actually take multiple years, I believe, to actually like build and put the piece into place. And I've been doing this, man, I'm going into 15 years now of home services. So it's like hired 150 people, produced over 5,000 jobs. We've done over 7 million in revenue. Like it's like, I just learn all this stuff on one YouTube video. It's like this constant iteration, always growing, always learning. And I think as an entrepreneur, the best investment you can make is into your self-education. Um, Cause it's like, it, it, it is built my whole business and my businesses have built my life and it all tethers back to self-education and how I've grown myself as a person. Most definitely. I think uh, I agree 110% with that. Uh, going back to Alex Ramosi again, um, like the, with the pricing that you said, because it, it rang a light bulb when I heard him say something about, and at first I didn't really think about it because I was like, ah, because we want to compare our pricing to our competitors, right? And yep. then that he was saying like, your competitor may not be, he may be going out of business too. You know what I mean? Or he may be going out of business yeah. pricing just like him, right? And you guys are just racing to the bottom. So I really like how you uh, just explained that just now. What well, happens in trades too, man. I mean, like I had a mentor tell me years ago, he's like, Dave, charge more money, do less jobs and make more profit. And it was like how he said that so simply. It was like, it changed the direction of where I'm going. Because when I got this business going, Jonathan, I was like, all right, 65 bucks an hour. That's our rate. We're going to make money, this and that. We ran that and it didn't work. And so going in the next year in 2019, I doubled my prices. I said, no, no, not 65, almost doubled. 125 an hour per tech. Our market, our guys were like, are you flipping crazy? 125 per guy, that's $2,000 a day. I said, or 1800 a day. I said, this is where we need to go to run the business. And so we've been running that now going on four years. Our target, 125 per hour per guy. That's not just on the job site, man. That's driving to get fuel to and from. So like we need 1800 to $2,000 a day to power this business. And that's just because I know where my numbers need to be. If I tried to run it on $1,100 a day and Dave sit back and have a crew and the managers, it doesn't make money. So like you need to know where those expenses are in your business so you can formulate your price book from it. And like just blanket statement, the worst thing you can do is base your pricing off what the other dudes in your industry are charging. Cause it's like, everyone's wearing a blindfold and we're all trying to like play pin the tail on the donkey. Like no one knows what the F they're actually doing. So like <laughs> be the outlier and stand out. That's what I've always tried to do um, because you're going to be happier running a hundred K business of well-bid jobs, then do 200 K and like, Oh, we got another truck. But if like I was making money, man, on my first truck, 89 grand, I made 40 grand, mm -hmm. 155. I made 60 K. Like you just, you have to make money in this business early. Otherwise you don't, you don't grow it. So I'm just like, you do nothing from this talk other than raise your prices you have a significantly better business on your hand. And I don't think you can do marketing, man, or hire great people if you don't have the proper pricing to begin with. Most definitely, most definitely. So thank you for expounding on that. My next question for you that I would want to talk about is, when do you think, because the biggest thing that um, I want to say, and I want to hear what you have, because obviously 
you know, you're, you've done a million before, you know, you're 800,000 with very, very healthy profit margins, right? So the question I get a lot and uh, the thing that I would want, you know, just to ask for like guys that are experienced like you is going to be when should exterior cleaning businesses first invest into digital marketing? What I mean by that is, you know, SEO, Google ads, whatever mm-hmm. maybe Facebook ads, right? Yep. Should they first invest into digital marketing in your opinion? Man, so I'll break that down. Um, SEO, when should you invest? Like yesterday, to be honest. Like SEO, I think of those three is is my personal favorite. Um, we started with SEO in 2018. We did 150k. I hired a company, and and it changes all the time, right, man? As you know, but back then, five years ago you could build like, I made like some YouTube videos and we built like some backlinks and we embedded them in the website. And like, it was like overnight, man, we were like <laughs> ranking. And that was the third company I hired. So I was a little bit frustrated because in 17, 18, I was trying to hire a couple different companies. And like, it finally clicked when you search pressure washing in South Surrey, it was like revive. And I was like, oh man. So that my business changed when we figured out the SEO. Um, we got a little lazy with it, man, the last few years until this last year, we've really taken a, a push to it as I've dove back into marketing. So I think SEO is a big one, man, that might for a small business, man, if you're doing a hundred grand, SEO might cost you six, 700, 800 bucks, a thousand bucks a month. Like just make sure you go with someone who can show you what they're doing and get like a good ROI because there's two kinds of real estate I love to own, man, like real estate in the in the real world and then the digital real estate, man. If you can get eyeballs on your service and your area, you're printing money, man. Someone asked me, I was speaking at the huge convention and they're like, how much would you say your GMB is worth? And I was like, man, if someone gave me 200 grand, I don't think I would sell it, to be honest, because I'm like, it. the phone rings every day from that. <laughs> and we own that real estate. So that that that's the SEO. Um, Facebook, Google ads, man, like it's changed a lot. Um, I'm a very like dog on a bone, like just like tunnel vision. Like, so for me, I chose to not turn on Facebook ads or paid until we hit 582K. That was just my stance. Um, Cause I was like, we didn't do any digital man. When I ran a painting business, I was just like, direct to consumer, door knock, hit your flyers, get your signs. So I personally think everyone's market is different, but I would first, your first foundational piece, I would say is neighborhood marketing. And I would personally um, coach someone to scale up as high as they could in their first few years. And that might be a couple hundred grand for someone, might be 500 for someone else, whatever it is. Your second tier of the pyramid though, man, would be the paid ad component. Let's say SEO is running, you're crushing the neighborhoods, you're paying your guys for Google reviews, you got a referral program running, you're hitting your Starbucks coffee meetups with your strategic partners or BNI, you got the truck wraps, you got your A-frame sign out, got all that stuff dialed. Then I would say, all right, let's start with a budget for either Google PPC or for Facebook ads. Um, and and I would try and measure those two against each other. And again, I would work with someone who knows what they're doing. Um, so tough to say an exact revenue, man, but I, I just personally don't believe in building a company like, oh, you're doing zero revenue, like turn on all the paid ads. And again, if someone's listening to this and they built a service business to half a million or 750 or a million, and like 
you know your way around the base path, that person I might be like, all right, you could probably turn on paid ads early because like you know what you're doing. But most pressure washing guys, man, I'm talking like 98 out of 100, more time than money. And they're not yet famous in their honey hive neighborhood. So I would say like first do that and then like move up your pyramid and look at turning on paid. And I'm only going to say and coach based on what I've done and what I'm doing. So that's just how I'd go about it. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you when it comes to like SEO, when it comes to Google business profile, because I always tell people that is the digital real estate that you want to always have. You know, we have physical real estate and then you have digital real estate and that digital real estate right there. Like you said, if somebody said, yeah, man, I want to pay you 200,000 for your gene, but you're like, I can, I make probably 200,000 or more from yeah. that, you know, from that alone in my business. And yeah. so, and so that's good. Um, I guess it kind of segues because I have two or three more questions. The sure. you know, next question is just going to be what, what do you do for you? Like what marketing do you do for revive? Then my next mm -hmm. question is going to go ahead and be, because I have it right here. My next question is going to go ahead and be kind of why coaching. Well, I guess I'll be the last one. So sure. my, and my next one will be like, what's the biggest key for recruiting and building a team? Just one. And then the, and we'll end it off with like why coaching has been so important uh, sure. for your business. And so the first one, like I said, is going to be what marketing do you do for Revive? Yeah. Uh, so this year we're doing SEO. Uh, we run print. So like just printing uh, flyers. We, we're very adamant about doing our 10 around. So 10 flyers to every neighbor that we're working around the job site. Uh, man, we've done a really good success this year with outbound to uh, our email list. We have a 5,000 person email list now of clients and prospects that we email four times a year through MailChimp. That works great. And then we've done uh, outbound phoning as well with a VA. We have a team that does outbound to our clients. And the fifth way um, would be uh, we're just just started, man, experimenting with Facebook ads for our holiday light season. So I've actually been running that as a pilot myself, just with uh, my media buyer kind of playing around and, and seeing. So those are like strategies we're doing in, but the overall best marketing is twofold, like provide a kick butt experience on the job site, make sure clients are like raving fans happy. And the best thing you can do, man, is just holistically build a brand in your marketplace. So people associate revive with a quality experience when it comes to washing painting christmas lights like all those strategies just funnel into like building out the brand which like i'd prefer you have inbound leans coming because people just know who you are and what you do but you kind of got to walk i believe for like a decade um until you start getting some like serious honestly man some serious inbound because painting it took me close to 10 years to like build something awesome. And same with revive. We're going into our eighth year. I'm like, I still feel I got like time, man, to put these things into place. So um, that's how I'd answer. That's what we're doing right now. Like 2023 into 24. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So you just said like, have, you know, have a kick-ass, you know, experience on the job, right. For, for yep. your, so uh, what has been just the biggest, recruitment tool for you in terms of like development your team or finding those a players i know we talked about the process of hiring and all of that and all of that so but just developing your team and all of that like any kind of like culture things and or anything. yeah yeah man lots i mean a, a phrase if people are taking notes is like a small business means a big opportunity and i really believe in that um, my ops manager today steve started with me in 2019 
um, squeegeeing windows. And uh, fast forward today, um, he's blown up his income and he's effectively running my company with my office manager making a really good annual salary. And so he's been able to do that in a period of four years because he's basically said, this place has opportunity. This is now a career for me, not just a job. How we did that, man, is something I coined the term. I don't know if people use it, but I started using it years ago. It's called the hybrid role. So I took Steve and I said, hey, I'm busy here, man. I'm running all million things. I said, I want to start showing you snippets of the business. So I would take him on Fridays, man, and get him doing my production stuff. So I'm like, all right, here's your shopping list at Home Depot, right? I need a power drill. I need this. I need this. I need this. Uh, I need you to go and, uh, you know, drop this off at the crew. And then I need you to go, you know, the first time I'm like, man, I need you to come with me. We're going to go see this super pissed off client that we screwed up. And I want you to see some conflict resolution in action. And then next uh, season, it was Thursdays and Fridays. I took Steve. I said, all right, office team. Steve can go on site Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He needs to do these production things. And I started giving him more things off my plate. So a lot of guys are like, how the heck do you get a Steve and pay him year round? You do it with a hybrid role. You give him a little appetizer of one day a week and two days a week, what that looks like. Because I think most of your quality key people want to see more facets of the business rather than just cleaning for 40 hours a week. So once someone's like prove they're in it to win it, I would figure out uh, an Ascension plan, how we can move them to be your manager. Cause very few companies, Jonathan, I've consulted just put up a hiring ad for an ops manager for 70 grand and get someone coming in on indeed. Like you need someone who knows the business and fits the culture and knows you. Uh, and so you really grow your own people in, in my opinion. So that that's been our best, you know, retention strategy and like ascension planning, because you only need two key people, man, to run a beautiful, profitable 750k business. You need your rockstar techs, you need a rockstar office manager, and you need a really good, um, like operations manager who can run the crews. It doesn't have to be a complicated business. Hey man, look, you're you're taking complicated things and making them uncomplicated. That's why I said a lot of the stuff that you say, I, I really resonate with because you're running. Like, you know, people think running like services like ours, like digital marketing is where it only goes into play where you're running this stuff. But man, you're making it, you're like digifying it, man, in that sense. And I, you yeah. know, I appreciate that. So the thing about that too, so like one of my last questions to you, man, and just kind of segue and talk about like your programming and all that. But before we talk about your program and like what you offer, because I saw that uh, last week, man, you came out with your club, right? Yeah. But before we talk about all of that stuff, uh, what has... What's been the importance of coaching and, and all of that, you know, because I know you said you heavily invested in that, you know, early on, right? So yeah. uh, what has that like, what kind of impact has that had on not only entrepreneurial life, but your personal life and just in general when it comes to your business? Huge, man. I mean, I prop myself up as my biggest investment. And so if it's a $30 book, all these behind me, I've I've read and invested in myself thousands into books. Um, I've went into courses, hired coaches. Like I I think years ago it shifted for me, Jonathan, where I'm like, honestly, the biggest flex is actually time freedom rather than than income. And I think that most entrepreneurs because money's tight, right? And that's a belief we hold. But I really think if you do your research and consume someone, like if someone listens to your show, man, and listens to all your free stuff, gets the value, 
like I wouldn't think too hard about joining someone's paid thing if I already have gotten tons of value and really believe in them. Um, and so for me, like I'm well into the six figure investment now of just investing into Dave Mormon. Like I said, all, all those different um, kind of channels that I've done that and some programs have been better than others, but I do believe when you invest in yourself, whether it's a program, a book, whatever, when you put some dollars down on the table, you're proving yourself saying, all right, I'm betting on Dave. I'm betting on Jonathan. I'm betting on me to go spin this into a great, great return and a great investment. And like, for me, man, I'm 34 years old. We just had our first baby son Beckham. Like I've been home every day with him man. like working in my office here, doing what I need to do. And I can bounce upstairs and hang out with him or see my wife. And it's like, I believe the businesses I own have created this great lifestyle for me and my family. It doesn't mean it's easy and there's no stress ever, but it's a lifestyle that I choose to live. And I believe it only got built out because I got very early on in my journey. I would just cold DM people and reach out. I slept on my buddy's floor. Like I'll just go and find the person who already owns the thing I want to own. And I think I collapse my time of learning from like, I'd probably figure it out, but it'd probably take me five years if I can do it in one to two instead of five for me that's like a huge win. So I feel like I'm 34 today, but I've already learned the knowledge that maybe some 60 year olds might take to learn because they think that they know it all. So for me, get around the person who lives the life I want to live, make sure they're legit. Um, and then really, man, just try and be like the stupidest person in the room and ask a lot of questions. Like it, it sounds silly, but I always say in my program, like there's no dumb questions because I went through a whole college degree, man, shy, introverted so sweating at the back scared to ask questions i'm like put me in a classroom now i'd be the front row like just peppering questions because it's just a confidence thing now mm -hmm. most definitely so let's talk about your coaching program man because i know that you've i know that one of your first students that you had i don't know if he's still coaching with you or not but i know mason buker like used to work with yeah. him so i remember yeah. mason like you have some other guys like i remember david like uh, his name's david evans but um yep good Yep, yep, yep. Guys, man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot sir. of crossover. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh there's other people as well that uh that come across, but I know I was talking to him today. He's like, hey man, shout me out. I was like, I'll shout you oh, out, man. You know, right on. Shout out to David. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, but like tell us a little bit more about your program. So home service business coach, like why you started it, why pressure washing business should join, and then you like uh kind of what you guys go over and then your two different sure. programs. I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff right now to oh, do. Man, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, I got, I got a little bit of time still. Um, so back in 2020, man, I grew, grew revive, uh, pandemic started here in Canada. I had some time on my hands and people were reaching out to me being like, can you send me your organizational chart? How did you, how did you, and I started like DMing people through the night and I'm like, it kind of was a light bulb went off of like, man, I feel like I can really teach this stuff and actually met with like a franchise lawyer. And I was prepared to actually franchise out revive. And I went in a different direction and said, the franchising thing, it does work, but I've been there on the one side of the fence. What if I built out this consulting model that people would pay monthly to get access and my help to build all this um, infrastructure in their business? Cause it's like, 96% of pressure washing businesses don't actually get built into a business. They're like solopreneurs farting around for one to five years and then they piece out of their business. So I'm like, what if we could actually build a legitimate business and set someone free 
with a profitable business. So I got really busy, man, for the last three and a half years now building out um, home service business coach and it's transitioned from me, you know, doing one-on-one Zoom calls for $200 an hour to a full-blown program. Now we've helped 185 entrepreneurs, man, pressure wash, paint, landscape, um, build a dream lifestyle. So um, yeah, you know, nuts and bolts. People can check us out on our website. I'm sure you'll link it up, but our flagships, our foundations program, man, it's not cheap, but it certainly helps the serious entrepreneurs move from A to B and build out a real um, great business for their lifestyle. Cause man, most of our guys are like, I want more income. I want freedom. Uh, and I want to be around my family more. And the last thing a lot of our guys are wanting to do, man, build a profitable business that can push into real estate investments. So those are like the big outcomes that we really strive hard as a team to deliver on. So, um, yeah, it's kind of us, uh, in a nutshell, if people want to get around us, man, I'm, I'm sure you'll link up a bunch of re- free resources we push that out. Is- I think I think we put out, I counted up like 23 pieces of content a week we push out and then obviously more because it gets like repurposed everywhere. But like 23 core pieces of like people reading it, like we want to just stop them in their tracks and be like, think about your business like a CEO. That's like the biggest thing I want, whether guys work with us or not, like change your psychology around what this business is most definitely so even i know that even if guys because i like i said i have a lot of guys that are in your program and i've heard great things so even if guys look at that price point and they say like oh man uh you know it can be expensive for the coaching i know you just last week right i know we're in november so anybody that's watching yeah. this you know five months from now from this right november yeah. 13th 2023 right now but i know last week you came out with the club right and so yeah. That one, I know how much, how much is that one? I think it's like, yeah, uh, we're promoing it, man. 97 bucks a month. And I mean, we, we launched it free, man. I built that community to 450 people. We actually shut it down one evening. Cause I got so ticked off. People are coming in for free that I'm like, no, 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 we need to get people to pay a little bit. So they actually commit and show up. So, um, we launched that for free. We're taking on our first hundred members at 97 a month. And that just gives you access to high level training and resources to again, solidify this mindset to get off the truck. So it's a great fit for like a beginner and someone that's like, Hey, I don't have 1500 bucks a month for a coaching program. Go check out the club, get around us, get in a community. Uh, and it's certainly my hope that it is uh, significantly better than any group you'll find on Facebook. Cause I got uh, upset seeing these Facebook groups ask technical questions, man. I know you, we share the same sentiment. I'm like, what if I just had a low ticket membership? guys could come in through the winter and learn from. So we've been like building out that community as a little bit of like an entry level offer for us, but our bread and butter is still our coaching program. But I'm like, we got our membership going. It's been fun to get that off the ground. Yeah, most definitely, man. And like I said, it's 97 bucks, dude. I mean, if somebody gets one gold nugget from you, man, that there you go. Like, like literally that pays, that pays itself like three, four times over. Right. If you're pricing right, you know what I mean? But, uh, Yeah. You have anything else for me, David? Like, and like I said, man, I really appreciate you for this. This was really good, man. Like jam packed with a lot of knowledge or anything else. You got anything else for the people, man? Like any tips or any, uh, any hats you have as an entrepreneur that, uh, doesn't have to be in the washing business, just overall. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think like we covered a lot. I mean, to sum it up, I mean, I think a CEO really focuses on three big things, um, people, vision, and money. And so, I think the people side we talked about, like paying people more than industry average, building out their roles over the winter, 
um, you know, really building that culture where you can have people have this be like a career, not just a job that that's a huge one vision, man, like your business is only limited based on the psychology of the owner. And I'm sure you see this, Jonathan, some people think a hundred K is a big business. Some people think a million is a big business. Uh, Tommy Mello thinks a billion is a, is, is the infancy stages, right? I'm like the guys on a different level and you get people all in between the the continuum there. And so not everyone wants to build a big Tommy business, but you got to figure out what do you actually want? And a lot of guys, like I said, your dreams can come true building a 500 to 750 K business. You don't, maybe you don't want to scale it to the moon. Maybe you do like, you need to pivot it back to what your vision is and you need to cascade that to your team so that people can plug in and see an opportunity with what you're building. And the last thing, man's money. Most guys listening on here right now, if you had to grade zero to 10, how happy are you with your level of income you made from your washing business? I bet most people would answer five or below out of 10. That's a problem because it comes back down to your pricing and knowing your numbers. And that's like the last thing to really focus on is the money of the business. It's all fun to give to charity and hire people and and market and say you're a business owner, but like fundamentally a business needs to kick off profit every month needs to kick off cash flow. And if your company cannot yet do that, um, your business model is broken and you need to actually, I think, invest in yourself and really learn that problem before you go produce another job. So like, yeah, vision, people and money. I think if you spent your, your winter for the listener, whenever this comes out, building those three like super highways, you're going to have like a way better year next year in 2024. Yeah, man. Well, awesome, awesome, awesome. So I really appreciate the time. I know you're a very busy guy, man. So I really appreciate the time that you had, you know, to take out to to really like get this information. So if you guys want to find David, I literally have all of his links because I know you have a podcast yourself, man. I know that you have your website. I know you have the Instagram, the Facebook group, um, your YouTube channel as well as at Home Service Business Coach. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to check out his company website, see his stuff over at reviveservices.ca as well. Um, you guys can definitely check that out. But everything, even when it comes to his club membership, all of that kind of stuff, I will link uh, to this. If you guys are watching the podcast or you guys are watching this on YouTube, um, you guys will definitely have access to all of this. But once again, David, like I said, I really appreciate your time um, and, you know, giving us all these good gold nuggets. Cool, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, man. And congrats what you built too, man. Really, uh, really impressive. And uh, we'll have to do it again. Yep. Sounds good, man. I really appreciate it. Thank See you, you later. Uh, yep. Bye-bye. <laughs>